Well, good morning. It's good to have you here. Thank you for joining. We want to say a special welcome to those of you who may be visiting as our guests. We're glad for you to be here. As Mitch already mentioned, be sure to stop by the Welcome Center. Bill and Karen are there, and they would love to uh, meet you, and they've got a, a gift for you as well. Uh, I, I need to add, uh, say a couple things. First of all, need to be in prayer um, for uh, Nancy Kashuba. Her uh, dad passed away this past Thursday morning, and so be praying for Jerry and Nancy. Uh, there will be a celebration of life service Tuesday, this Tuesday afternoon, 3 o'clock at Durier Bible Church, and we sent those details out in the church email this past week, but be praying for them and the family uh, as they uh, grieve the loss of Nancy's dad. Uh, and then we mentioned uh, last week that this coming Sunday, a week from today, of course, uh, a week from yesterday and Friday, our men's retreat, we've been talking about that. And man, I just want to say again one more time, you heard the deadline tomorrow for making a decision, but the men's retreat, we have really worked hard to gear that this year for the spiritual growth of the men who come. This is not just about a good time and food and, you know, not getting any sleep or whatever it may be. Uh, that all is a great time. And as Scott would say, plenty of coffee, um, you know, and, and eating together. But uh, Pastor Ron Barris is gearing this whole thing for our as men spiritual growth. And guys, you got to be there. I mean, it's, it's going to be a great time. We'd encourage you to join us, and uh, you can be, uh, the information is out in the foyer, or as Mitch men mentioned, talk to him or Pastor Paul or myself. We'd be glad to get you hooked up. But then next Sunday morning, um, the second hour, Pastor Barris will be with us right here in the first hour of preaching. Second hour, we'll have a, our break between, as we always do, but then He's going to be right here and is going to continue on as we talk about uh, one of those steps of discipleship is how to share your faith and how to do that specifically. Not just that you should, but how to do that. And so that's going to be a, a great time. You don't want to miss that. And um, join us next Sunday morning, second hour. Just plan to stay on through uh, our Heritage Institute classes. We'll miss a week and then um, we'll gear up afterwards, but, but Pastor Ron Barris will be with us for both hours, the 9.30 service right here, and then the 11 o'clock hour as well here. You don't want to miss that, so plan on that. All right, you've heard the phrase, I'm sure you've got to see it to believe it, right? And I don't know, when you hear somebody say that, what is it that they mean? Well, typically, uh, it means that you saw something, you observed something, you witnessed, you experienced something so unbelievable, so incredible, so astonishing, so mind-boggling uh, that words alone couldn't describe what you saw or how you felt. So you just would say, you've got to see it to believe it, or you had to see it to believe it, or you had to be there and see it to believe it, right? I kind of felt that way Friday night when I went to bed and the Phillies and the Astros in games one of the World Series were tied, 
and I couldn't stay awake. I just went to bed and I woke up and they won. I'm like, whoa, that would be one of those things you'd say, you had to see it to believe it. And uh, thanks to replay, I saw it Friday morning, but not Thursday night. Anyway, that's the kind of thing, right? You have to see it to believe it. Well, uh, Psalm 34 this morning. Now, we are going to be in Psalm 23, but Psalm 34, uh, David talks, in a sense, just about that very thing. You have to see it to believe it. And Psalm 34, um, and if you need a Bible, don't have one, or your phone or tablet, whatever it may be, underneath the chair, close to you, somewhere in front of you, there should be a Bible, and in that Bible... It would be page, uh, let me see, I have that there, 387, right on the screen, page 387 in that Bible. But look at the first three verses of Psalm 34, because I want you to see David is getting to the point, I don't think he made up, you've got to see it to believe it, but he kind of is saying that here. And in Psalm 34, verse 1, David says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Verse 3, glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. He's saying we got to praise God. We got to lift him up. We got to give him glory. We got to exalt him and who he is and what he's done. And that's what David is saying. And and then we get to verse 4 and and we might say, well, why would he say this? Why would he exalt the Lord? Why would he challenge people who are listening to him or who are reading his word to to glorify God, to to give him glory, to exalt his name. Well, because verse 4, David speaking out of experience what he had seen of the Lord. He says, verse 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fear. So you might read it this way. David says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. And you might say, why? Why would I extol the Lord? Why would I have His praise on my lips? Why would I exalt Him? Because I sought the Lord and He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. You could look down to verse 6. You can read through all of Psalm 34. It's an amazing, Amazing chapter. But then you get to verse 6 and he goes, here's also why I say you should exalt the Lord. Because this poor man, he's talking about him, this poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. He's saying, I am saying we need to praise God because look what he's done for me. I sought him and he answered me. He delivered me. He heard me. He saved me me from all my trouble he's saying i'm telling you i've experienced it and you got to see it to believe it you got to experience it to believe it but then he gets to verse eight and and here it is he says taste and see taste and see that the lord is good blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. You got to see it to believe it. There it is. You got to taste and see 
that the Lord is good. Don't just take it from me, David is saying. You got to experience it. You got to see it for yourself. You've got to try it. You've got to test God. You must see for yourself and experience, and then you will know. Then you will believe that the Lord, our shepherd, the same David who wrote Psalm 23, is right here. Then you will know that the Lord is good. But if you don't taste, if you don't test it, if you don't put it out there and experience, you won't know that. You see, tasting is about trusting the Lord. It really is. It's about trusting the Lord. You will never see, you will never know how to trust God if you don't taste and see. And that's what David's saying. When you taste of the Lord, when you trust, you will find out. You will, it will result in your life. You will know that the Lord is good and he can be trusted. Now, I want you to get a feel for the tasting and see. Yes, this is a box of Krispy Kreme donuts. Um, we have today in our, uh, with us in the auditorium, our first through fourth graders. Uh, we do that on the fifth Sunday of, uh, of, of every time that happens, like four times during the year. So do, so, do I have any of our uh, real responsible, who's, right, Abigail, do you, you want to help me? Do you want to help me? All right, okay. Okay, I want you to give a napkin to everybody that when I open this box, okay, now you're probably thinking, am I going to get one of those? <laughs> ah, she laughs. All right, we'll, we'll get you one. Who do you think we should give one first to? Like your mom? Oh, your mom and dad? All right, all right, here you go. Thank you. All right, yeah. So, so, S Susan Acer, we're pointing to you. You think we should give them a couple? Aw, thank you. Look at that. Thank you. Asa, come on, man. Dive in. Thanks, Abigail. Thank you. All right, all right. Ha yeah, yeah, right here? Yeah, no, thank you. You, you. Yeah, all right. Here we go. Oh, I see. We're going to go all the way down. Your friend? Oh, well, good. There you go. Okay, all right. Mike, we're right here. Yeah, right. You know, I was going to ask, is there anybody who has never tasted a Krispy Kreme donut? In Where? Uh, are you? You've never been. Uh, that's one of those loaded questions, right? Yeah. Should, should we give one to Mitch? Should we do that? Yeah, yeah. All right. Oh, Janet, would you like a donut? Sure. sure. There you go. Thank you. All right. Now, this is going to take me, we're going to have to keep going here, or we're going to be here in an hour, right? After, how about, how about Pastor Paul? Yeah, all right, there you go. Thank you. Oh, please, thank you. Oh, there we go. All right. Oh, man, we're hitting the college students back here. We're going to be in trouble. We should just give them the whole, the whole box. Should, you think we should do that? No? Oh, how about here? Oh, because you want some. Is that right? Right? No? All right. I 
All right, this is going to be hard to, you, you, there you go. Oh, now I'm really in trouble. I just let go of the box. Ah, uh, yeah. All right, don't, don't waste time. Come on, move quickly. Come on, Alex. Yeah, there we go. All right, thank you. All right, good deal. Okay, so you, you can taste, you can eat right now. You can do that. John Mark. Elise, oops. Yeah? No, no. Mom, you want one? Sure. Rich, you're looking. I see those eyes. Yeah, look at that. You can't, that's right, that's right. Oh, here's Craig and Shirley, our seniors. They even like them, right? Yeah, all right. There you go. All right. Well, good morning. How are you? There you go. Molly, yeah, yeah. Here, here you go. We'll... All right. Come on, Dad. Do, get your hand in the box. Got to be thinking that way. All right. You know what? We, we've got to... Molly. Yes? No? All right. You get the napkin. No? All right. Let's go over here. Let's go all the way over to this side, Abigail. Now, folks, taste your donuts, right? Because you won't know how good they are if you don't... Look at this. All right, yeah, there you go, uh, uh, uh. Pat, come on, Pat, I know, yeah, he's waving me over here, Helen, look at this, uh, Sharon, George, yeah, okay, all right, all right, Chris, no, oh, come on, Peg, Come on, this is good for your heart. Yeah? Believe me, I know. Yes. All right. We're just going to go right down the aisle. Yeah? How about this? Yep. No? Matt? All right. There we go. Coach, come on. Yeah, there you go. Val? Yeah, yeah? All right. Up. Oh. No? All right. You know what? We're There's here. only one more. No, and guess whose that is? Yours. Yeah, all right. Here, I, thank you. We're going to close this box. There you go. The re, there you go. That's yours. Thank you, Abigail. All right, folks. Wow. It's after 10 o'clock already. Whew. Well... So, the deal is, taste and see. If you've never had a Krispy Kreme, I remember when that store opened up down there. Right? I think there was one in Scranton for years, but they brought one to Clark Summit, and it was like, wow. I'd never had Krispy Kreme donuts, I think here and there, but never been any, lived anywhere where there were. So, to taste and see. Now, not everybody likes Krispy Kreme, but a lot of people do. I do, and they're sweet, they're great, but you got to taste that, right? Here's what David says, back to Psalm 23. Back to Psalm 23 now as we do this. Psalm 23, and we're going to look at the second half of verse 5. Because David says, verse 5, You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. We talked about that last week. And then today, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Here's what I want you to know. Because the Lord is your shepherd. 
because the Lord is my shepherd. And each of us can say that. Here's the deal. I will never lack life to the full. I mean, what would life be like without Krispy Kreme donuts? Well, some of it may, it may be okay, but, but the idea, life to the full, and that's what we want to talk about. I will never lack life to the full, abundant life that God gives, not just eternal life. We're going to see that in a minute, but you got to taste and see. You know, life to the full, as, as we think about that, we take a look at our world today. There's a lot of people that don't have life to the full. And I'm not just talking about those who don't know Jesus. There's a lot of people who, it appears, are not happy with life. They lack joy, lack satisfaction. What's the meaning of life? Lack purpose in life. I don't get it. Things seem to always go against me. Many are full of all kinds of fear. We looked at that a few weeks ago when I gave you that list of the top 10 fears. And, and that list, the kinds of things that we think about, fears about our economy. What's going to happen to our kids or grandkids as we think about that? We think about the next pandemic. We think about corruption in our government. We think about the newest strain of COVID, biological warfare, the uh, terrorism, civil unrest, or just how about plain old unrest? And uh, there's widespread doubt uh, about the future and certainly a lack of hope in our world today. And even some who have put their trust in Jesus Christ for life and for life to the full are struggling. That's why as we've talked often, why we have a bunch of grumpy Christians people who know Jesus or say they know Jesus, but give no evidence of the joy of the Lord in their hearts. And it's like, what in the world? How can that be? We've been forgiven. We've been given eternal life, a guarantee of life with God forever after death. Or if we stay alive when Jesus comes again, wow! And yet, we're not happy. Well, what do we do? What do we do? If you happen to be one who doesn't know Jesus Christ, if if you're unhappy with life, you're full of fear, you don't have hope, there's doubt about the future, you're not sure what that holds for you, if you do not know Jesus, that's the starting point. And that's what we'll get to in a minute when Jesus said he came to bring us life, eternal life, forgiveness of sin, Only Jesus can provide the forgiveness of sin. Only Jesus. Yes, that sounds very exclusive. It is only exclusive if you don't believe. Because all who believe that the Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross for us to take care of our sin, to pay our debt so that we could be forgiven. He died in our place for our sins. And when we believe that Jesus went to the cross for us, our sin is forgiven. We're given eternal life. We're transformed completely and totally. And you can have purpose and meaning in life, eternal life and life to the full. But if you know Jesus Christ today and you're, you're not a happy believer, you're a grumpy Christian, 
Something's missing. You're missing. It's not just salvation. It's not just forgiveness of sin. God intended that we live for the glory of God. And that's got to show, starting right here with our face. So what do we do? Well, we said because the Lord is our shepherd, we will never lack life to the full. We will never lack the abundant, overflowing life that Jesus gives to those who believe. Taste and see. So let's look at verse 5. The second half, verse 5. You anoint my head with oil. You anoint my head with oil. Philip Keller, the book we've been talking about, um, a shepherd looks at the 23rd Psalm. He was a, a, a pastor and a shepherd at various times and talks a lot about this. And he's, as we've mentioned, as a shepherd, he would talk about taking his sheep for the summer months up to the table, up to the mesa, the uh, table land where they would spend the summer uh, and graze there because it was better for them rather than the heat of down in the valley where they would be in the winter time. But he said, as Keller sometimes talked about that, even when they got up to that table land and they'd graze for the summer, many times he would say, summertime is fly time. That's what shepherds would talk about with their sheep because as he talked about it, it could be a very difficult time of the year for the sheep. Because uh, those pests, especially the gnats and mosquitoes, hordes of flies that were there, parasites, and, and as a result, this infectious skin disease that was known as scab that would reach the, the sheep and many times could be a real problem in a flock of sheep. It was an irritating time for the sheep. It was an aggravating time, often causing uh, an agonizing distraction and an annoyance, if you can just imagine. I talked to you a few weeks ago about a camp that we used to go to uh, on an island in the Delaware River where there were gnats all the time and everybody stands around doing this. And it was just, they'd get in behind your sunglasses and, and all the rest and it could be just annoying. You see, what would happen to those sheep also is that the entire flock could be unsettled as a result of those pests. The, the sheep many times would get to the point where they don't sleep, couldn't sleep, even the point of exhaustion that they will simply just fall over. They become frantic with fear and run around erratically because they're trying to escape the pests, the flies. They would stand there and just simply stamp their feet trying to, to get the flies off of their legs. They, they would uh, just do whatever was necessary. Sometimes scratch their heads against trees or fences or whatever it may be and, and sometimes bang heads, butt heads with other sheep. All trying to get rid of the irritation of the flies. They would lose weight and the mama ewes would stop milking their lambs. And many times that was dangerous because then if the lambs didn't grow up healthy, they would die. And that was the livelihood of the shepherd. They'd injure themselves and often sheep would simply die. If the shepherd doesn't stay alert to the needs of the sheep, the consequences could be devastating. 
complete distraction for the shepherd and sheep from a normal flow of life. And certainly it was a time for the sheep that was not satisfying or joyful. But you see, the shepherd had a cure for the sheep. And that is what we read, you anoint my head with oil. Every time I used to read that, I'm thinking, why is that such a good thing? Yuck. I mean, I think of anoint my head with oil. What's the point? Well, here we know the shepherd would take a mixture of olive oil, sulfur, and spices that they had, mix it together, and um, rub it all over the head of the sheep. Sometimes the body, they would dip the body of the sheep in that just to keep, but many times the head would rub the head, the face, the nose, everything that would keep the flies away. Protect the sheep from the flies and the infectious skin diseases that they could be prone to as a result of the flies and other pests at that point. And once the shepherd would do that to the sheep, there was an immediate transformation. The aggravation, the irritability, the frenzy with which they had been running around, the restlessness is gone. And all of a sudden, the sheep revert back to what they knew. They eat, they rest, they sleep, they experience a peaceful contentment as part of the flock, and the joy returns for them and for the shepherd because the flock is back under control living in peace and contentment with joy. The oil would indicate uh, in, as well, in, we talked one of the metaphors that some think it's not the sheep, but maybe it was uh, a host welcoming an honored guest. That would be, oil would be an indication of wealth and prosperity if that owner was able to, if that host was able to do that for the, for the guests in his home. It would be something that would bring joy and honor to that guest. But the idea here with the sheep, it was something that they needed to be cared for to provide joy for them. The idea of anointing, that word means to be fat or to make fat. Not the ceremonial anointing of the king. When, If you remember back in the Old Testament when Samuel went to find Saul's replacement, and they found David finally after going through the seven older brothers, and they got to David, and Samuel anointed him with oil. We're not talking about that kind of ceremonial anointing. We're talking about an anointing that indicates joy and festivity, special kind of care, whether it be for guests or for here, the way a shepherd would care for his sheep. He watches over them. He's concerned about their peace and their contentment and their health, and he's concerned about the entire sheep, the whole part of that. God is concerned about us, our entire being. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 30. We read, Light in a messenger's eyes brings joy to the heart, and good news gives health. That's the same word, fatness to the bones gives health to the bones. That's the idea of anointing. Puts fat on the bones, refreshes the bones. The idea is that it brings joy to the entire sheep or for you and I as our shepherd cares for us. You see, our Lord, our shepherd is concerned about 
our joy, our peace, our contentment. And that's really to this point what Psalm 23 is all about. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I don't know if you've taken the time we suggested back at the beginning of Psalm 23 that you sit quietly by yourself somewhere and repeat and think slowly, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And as we think about all of what we've read and studied that that as a result, that shepherd does for the sheep, for us. One writer said it this way, anointing with oil is the duty and delight, a pleasing provision of a gracious host to his honored guest. And the, the, the guest would come into the home, or as the sheep, as they were out in the hot, dry, sandy summers, and as they had been traveling about, and the, the host would provide oil for them to be refreshed, to, to put on their dry skin. And you know how sometimes the heat and dryness cracks your skin. That's what it is. Uh, there's all kinds of just go to the CVS or, or whatever store you go to. I'm not advertising here this morning. But you get lotion, right, for your hands or for your face or for your skin when it's cracked and dry. That's the same way that the oil is there a scented perfumed oil for skin like that jesus acknowledged that when he was in the home and the sinful woman was anointing his head with perfume washing his feet and jesus made a comment to the host after some criticism came he said listen you didn't even offer me water when i came into your home you didn't offer me oil for my head this woman has not ceased to put perfume on my feet and kiss my feet. So the idea of the oil as a, as a means of refreshing, listen, that's God's care for us. You see, sometimes we go through life and we feel the circumstances and we, we feel like we're by ourselves, that God doesn't care, that God allowed these difficulties into our lives and he turned his back and we're all of a sudden experiencing really hard times in life. And understand this, in Scripture it is very clear that when we go through trials and difficulties and circumstances, they are never to push us away from God. They are always to draw us closer. And when we come there, God, our shepherd, the Lord, our shepherd, is ready to provide the oil to anoint us for our comfort and cleansing and sometimes healing. Often, Scripture refers to the anointing at times as a ministry of the Holy Spirit to our lives. And I'm not going to dig deep into that, but Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18 talks about the filling of the Spirit. Some might call that an anointing. Just understand the anointing does happen when we talk about filling regularly. 
And those sheep would have to have that oil and mixture of spices and sulfur applied numerous times over and over again. That's why Paul in Ephesians 5 and verse 18 when he says, it is God's will that you be filled with the Spirit, that you be under the control of the Spirit of God. You see, when those sheep would run around crazy, be frantically trying to escape the pests of the flea, the flies or fleas or mosquitoes, they were not under the control of the shepherd. They were allowing the circumstances. They were allowing the, all of the aggravation and the distraction and the irritation to control them and cause them to do what they did once they were anointed with that oil. They calmed down immediately. Folks, when we try to run our own lives when we're in control, when we think we have the right to do what we want and act like we want and think like we want rather than according to the directions the Spirit of God has laid out for us in the Word, we're not under the control of the Spirit of God. Life is a mess. We need the anointing of the Spirit of God. Be continually filled be continually under the control of the Holy Spirit of God who lives within us once you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You can dig into that and study through Ephesians chapter 5 and see what Paul talks about. The filling of the Spirit is a continuous thing over and over again. Secondly, he says, you anoint my head with oil, but my cup overflows cup in the Bible in ancient Near East was a metaphor for an individual's fate. I don't know how you look at fate. I don't, I don't think that fate, we know what we mean by it's my fate to experience something. That's just how it was determined ahead of time, right? Kesarasara, whatever will be, will be. Well, not really. Because God's in charge. God controls every circumstance. He controls your life and mine. He controls what's coming today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. If he should choose that we still have life on this earth. God's plan and purpose, our life. And when we read cup, that's what it's talking about. What's talking about our life and what God has determined. We might say our lot in life. What God has determined that would be. Psalm 16, 5, just so you can see one thought here. David says, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. You control my life. You're in charge. But I want you to see it in Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Because in Matthew chapter 26 and, and verse 39, this is the, the night before Jesus went to the cross in Gethsemane. And he was there with Peter, James, and John. And Matthew chapter 26 and, and verse 39, we read Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he, Gethsemane, wow. Huh. Gethsemane, yes. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. 
He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Look at this, verse 39. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, not as I will, but as you will. The disciples fell asleep. He returned, found them, down to verse 42. He went away a second time after rebuking the disciples for the need to stay awake. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. In verse 42, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, poor, uh, may your will be done. The cup, what's he? My God's plan and purpose for Jesus was to go to the cross. Lord, unless it's your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want. That's what your plan and purpose for me is. If there's any other way, Father, have it be so, but I want your will. And the purpose and plan for Jesus was to go to the cross. His cup. My cup overflows. As I was thinking, I couldn't help but re the overflowing, well-filled, filled to satisfaction. My cup overflows. An indication of God's pouring out His best all over us. And in this whole metaphor of the shepherd and the sheep, I could not escape John chapter 10 because we've looked at that uh, before as we've been going through Psalm 23, John chapter 10. And as you read through, uh, starting at verse 1, Jesus is using, he's teaching about him as the shepherd and those who knew him who believed as the sheep. And he was teaching the Pharisees. He says, verse 1, John 10, very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate or the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Jesus is saying, I am the sheep. Later on, he says, I am the good shepherd. And I, as the good shepherd, will give my life for you. Jesus did that. Folks, talk about an overflowing cup. Far, far, far more than we deserve. The forgiveness of sin, we deserve eternity in hell because of our sin. That's what Paul said in Romans chapter 3 and Romans chapter 6. But here it is. I am the door. I am the gate for the sheep. You come in and you go out through me. When you believe in Jesus Christ, I am the shepherd. You know, you'd read through Psalm, or John 10 and you get a picture of an ideal, an ideal situation for those sheep as we follow and obey the shepherd. But then you get down to verse 10 and Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life. Who? The sheep. The people. Us. 
that we may have life and have it to the full. My cup overflows. Life to the full. That they may have life. That's eternal life. That's believing on the Lord Jesus Christ because he went to the cross, as we said, to pay the penalty for our sin. He died in my place for my sin. That's life, eternal life. And when we believe, we are forgiven. That's life. But then he says, it's not just about forgiveness. He says, I have come, they may have life and have it to the full. You see, if it was just eternal life, when we got saved, God would take us home to heaven. Life on this earth. What's the point of living here? Because we have to experience the full life. He's left us here as those who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ to enjoy life to the full. Not just to get by. Not just to be the grumpy, complaining Christian that we can easily tend to be. No, life to the full. Some translations read abundant life. Life overflowing. My cup overflows. That's what David's talking about. Life to the full. Without eternal life, we can't know life to the full. If you're here today without Jesus and you're feeling my life is just, I wish it was different. I wish I could change it. And you don't know Christ. That's where it must start. You must know Jesus Christ is the forgiver of your sin as God's son who gave his life for you. But once we know that, once we believe, we are given life to the full. So in light of what you've just heard, what do you need to do? You anoint my head with oil. You've taken away the distractions. You've taken away the, the irritation. You've taken away the, gra- the aggravation. You've taken away all those things that distract me. You've anointed my head so that I can have healing and comfort and joy, peace, contentment. You say, but I don't have that and I know Jesus You need to put yourself under his authority. Yield yourself. Allow the Holy Spirit of God to control your life. As Jesus himself said, not what I want, Father, but what you want. And that's what we need as well to be saying. So is your life, would you, would you, is it boring? Sometimes you look around and people who don't know Christ, who haven't believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can say, you know what? They seem to have more fun in life. They have more stuff than I do. They have less guilt than I do. They don't struggle like I do. It just something something seems missing. Is that where you are today? Have you been distracted by money, the need for money? Or maybe your work, you give it all. Or maybe it's school students, maybe you're all caught up in school and that's keeping you from the full abundant life that Jesus has promised. Maybe it's your sports, your athletics, whatever that may be. Maybe it's uh, relationships that, that keep you from experiencing all that God has for us in the abundant life, the life 
to the full. So is life to the full a reality in your life? Is it a reality for you today where you say, I know I trusted Christ. I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. I know my sin's forgiven. I know if I was to die today, I'd go to heaven. But the full life, the abundant life is not a reality for me. Maybe you're like those sheep that are running here and there and distracted and can't get rid of the flies and Sometimes you feel like you've had it. Remember what Jesus said. I have come that you may have life, eternal life, forgiveness of sin, and life to the full. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That's the promise. So if the Lord is your shepherd, are you experiencing life to the full? If the Lord is your shepherd, are you experiencing life to the full? Because the Lord is my shepherd, I will never lack life to the full. It's ours for the taking. Who's controlling your life? He, the Lord, our shepherd, is all I need. He is all you need. He is all we need. Father, such simple stuff here, really. You care for us. You've provided all that we need. You anoint our head with oil. You care about the irritations and distractions. You care about those things that are annoying. You care about the hard circumstances that can, if we allow them to keep us from you and the full life, the abundant life that you've promised. And yet, God, thank you that you do anoint our heads. You've given us the Spirit of God. That when we place ourselves under his care and control, life has purpose and meaning and order and peace and joy. God, help us to know that as believers, as followers of Jesus. And I pray for any here today who, who don't know Jesus, who are trying to figure out life on their own, going their own direction, without knowing you. The Lord is their shepherd. God, use your word in our hearts. Don't let us who know you settle for a boring, grumpy Christian experience. God, help us to know abundant life, life to the full. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.